everybody. Welcome to the first of two Q&A shows that end our summer of football here at the big interview with Graham Hunter at the Euros. Padding up as we speak are Graham Hunter, host of The Big Interview, and Pete Jensen, our special guest for our monthly Q&A shows from La Liga Television. They will be facing the bowling of our socios who support this podcast. They put questions to guests. They get stuff early. Sometimes they get stuff exclusively. To find out more about becoming a socio, go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. So let's start the, the Q&A with questions from the socios. The first set are on the final. And the first question comes from socio Ian Body, who asks, shouldn't we give some credit to the Italians who looked good from the start and who had the people on and off the pitch who could analyse situations as quick as you, Graham, said England didn't do during the same game? Graham, you spoke a lot in the analysis you gave us of the final, straight off the back of the game, straight on the whistle. They're really focused on England's shortcomings in the way they approach the game. So we didn't get the chance to speak in depth about the Italians. The way to appreciate the Italians, first of all, is for those who didn't hear Gareth Southgate's analysis of why he was using 3-5-2. He said he wanted three at the back so that um, he could use particularly Trippier wide, but also Shaw to a lesser extent. I, I didn't think Shaw... Um, after his goal and one more opportunity when he got high didn't really spread the pitch and I'm not being critical at all but his his argument was that Italy need to be thwarted at the back and, and that was a point I made in the preview that coming forward Bonucci but particularly Chiellini and either Di Lorenzo or it happened to be Emerson not Spinazzola that's where things began for Italy that's where all their nice meals were cooked and he wanted Trippier to not only press back Emerson, but he wanted the England wing-backs to spread the pitch wide. What Southgate said was that the more he got his wing-backs to not only peg back, but spread wide Italy's wing-back, Italy's two defenders, because they were in theory they were four at the back, and he wanted to isolate Chiellini and Bonucci a little bit, and he wanted the wing-backs to allow space for... Uh, Mount and Sterling to, to, to pillage in between the two defenders. So that was that was the idea. And, and Ian, I would say that what Italy did, and I couldn't see Mancini coming out and shouting and saying, this is how we're going to reorientate, but they did. And, and yeah, so full credit for the fact that what, what they did was they played a, a maximum of three at the back. They started out as four, as four at the back, Italy. They played a maximum of three at the back, often only two, or with one of the central midfielders, whether it was Jorginho, and Verratti did it too. They, if, if the two full-backs were high up, they would drop up, drop back, like Busquets does at Barcelona, in between the two centre-halves. They would have three players, plus the keeper, to play the ball out. Kane is lumbering in that situation, actually doesn't bother to press. Trots around as if to show, hey, look, you know, I'm in the general region. And Verratti or Jorginho just walked past him, and suddenly the extras in midfield were overwhelming England. But the change was, instead of playing four at the back, quite often it was Bonucci and Chiellini. With Di Lorenzo came into the midfield, but Emerson actually went quite high, went reasonably wide and high at the pitch. So when you got Insigne and Chiesa, to a lesser extent, but dropping back into a midfield that already had Barella and Jorginho and um, Verratti, plus one or other of the fullbacks. They, it, it, at, at times, England were utterly swamped. So the first intelligent thing they did there, Ian, was understand what England were trying to do and go, OK, instead of playing 4-3-3, we won't. 
we simply won't. I mean, they played something like 2-6-2. And that sounds odd because nobody would ever name that formation. But, Ian, I can't tell you whether that was the players reacting or it was Mancini saying, reshuffle. I just wanted to break in here because Liam McLaughlin, uh, another socio, I think has been listening to your um, analysis of the final already and was making his own live. It was obvious to me and my two mates cheering on Italy, oops, in a Glasgow boozer after a few tenants that Italy's domination of midfield was the key to the match, bemusing and infuriating in equal measure for Southgate and Cohen not to have saw it. That's exactly what you're describing, Graham. Yeah, but I'm on a hand to Pete now because I've had a big mouth voice on on the reaction to Ian's. I mean, it was just a, it was a partial reaction because there are there are other things, as Ian points out, that we can laud Italy for understanding how to do. Um, and and Liam's, I think Liam's trying to you know flog tenants and say it was tenants power that helped him see it, but you know it, even I mean I can't I want to hear from Pete what he feels as an England supporter because t- to me. All I felt was pure frustration at how England could not see it and not respond. It is a special brew, in fairness. On Graham's point, both like Ian, Graham for sure, and Liam mentioned the midfield domination. And while we're still in Italy, um, Lee Allen also asks, did experience play a part in the final? Italy had much more experience of being... I think he's almost talking systematically you know, about, about the Italian sort of history going deeper in tournaments because they actually had a, a, a pretty young team themselves. But as Graham says, as an England supporter watching that final, what was your reaction to the way the game unfolded? I think the 55 years not being in a final did start to tell at the start of the second half, really. I mean, these are really young players and there's no reason why any of them should remember, you know, Alan Ball and Nobby Styles any more than they should you know, remember Noddy and Biggies. But they... In the end, I think the the, the weight of, of having been for having waited so long to play a final, it's quite incredible that that you know five decades without reaching a final. It's one thing not to win another trophy, but to not even get to a final. Um, I think we scored. Dare I say it too early? Because the previous question talking about the fact that we were we were outnumbered in midfield, we just seemed to take a step back um, after we scored. Um, you know, we had a 10-minute spell after the goal when, when we were OK. But the longer the half went on, the worse we got. And the second half was appalling. The, the, there was always a problem with, with the way that Southgate wanted England to line up with the, with the double pivot. And when you put behind the double pivot a back five, you, you're, you're playing with a back seven. And you're, also, you're asking an awful lot of the three remaining outfield players on the pitch and if those three remaining outfield players on the pitch include Harry Kane, who had the strangest of tournaments because he looked like a, a, what they call the second division in Spain, Smart Bank, Liga Smart Bank striker in the first two matches, and then he looked like the Ballon d'Or all of a sudden. And then when it mattered most in the last game in the final, he went back to playing as he had played in the first two matches. When, when Southgate switched to a back five, my mind went back to, to Italia 90 which was the last time I'd probably been so excited about, about England, with the exception of 96. And England played uh, a back five, uh, Italian 90, that included P- Pierce and Parker as fullbacks. So proper fullbacks, not even wingbacks. Parker definitely was not a wingback, he was a fullback. But the midfield in that team was Platt, Gascoigne and Waddle. England's midfield playing with a five included two players who really um, are happier sitting just in front of the defence. And as 
and as good as Phillips and Rice were, it, it just seemed that the balance was tipped too much in favour of uh, of being defensive and not being attacking. And when you've then got a number nine who takes dropping off and associating with his midfielders to the absolute extreme and doesn't want to be on the front foot, and you get the early goal, so psychologically everyone's thinking well, maybe we just can see this out here. Maybe we've done enough. So I thought all those things came together. Southgate should have seen that. He should have seen that unfolding in front of his eyes. It shouldn't have taken the Italy goal to, for him to try and change it. Um, unfortunately, it did. I, 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 don't, I, I don't think Southgate... I think you have to bear in mind the fact that he's got England to a semi-final of a World Cup and a final of a European Championships uh, and, and, and no England manager's done that since the last time he won something but he was he was found wanting in the final there's no question about it I mean what was the what was the, fir- the first question um, Ian, Ian Boddy wanted to give more credit to the Italians yeah exactly well my immediate reaction was that more credit I mean they, it, it seemed they were everyone's favourite team right from the start when, when the kind of backroom staff um, came out in those powder blue jackets and everyone just swooned um, and we all love Viali and we all love De Rossi um, and, and Daniel Oriali. Um, but uh, in terms of it, in terms of the winning the tactical battle in the final, I thought I thought Gareth Southgate made it easy for them. Lee, Lee's question about a comparative experience. I, I think that 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 can be an explanation for a, a defeat when you see it begin to cut away at players. Uh, tiredness, their, their their choice making, the way in which, on regular occasions when England won the ball back, they abandoned the personality that's being constructed. So we're we're, it, even though I'm gonna argue that, you know, a positive way forward for England is is either to have far more coaching experience by Gareth Southgate's left and right hands. Or that probably his limit is the World Cup, and then he needs to be moved on for for very specific reasons. Even even given all of that, Italy's experience showed most on the bench. I think where when when Cristanti came on, his movement to the front post was very clearly instructed. He, he did it twice. It caused habit the first time, caused a goal the second time. It looked desperate. That a, a team that wants to win it. And prior to maybe the second 15 of extra time, Italy weren't playing for penalties. During the second 15, they definitely were. But when they have to take off, Chiesa's enforced. But Insigne and Verratti were real examples to Southgate about what to do with Kane. Irrespective of, of how good you are, once your races run, your races run. And Kane, Pete's description of Kane is, is typically, you know, acerbic and there were moments when his football simply didn't look right, particularly at the beginning of the tournament. But across the latter part of the tournament, goals aside, the evidence that he's a very good link player, that he's a very good 10, that he's he's actually quite good at when he's not throwing himself around, getting his body in the way, turning and laying off and buying some time, he's pretty good at that. But when you're being flooded... And when the central midfielder who drops in between the two centrales uh, can can walk past you and your team isn't playing a game that Harry Kane can profit from, that's the key, then you replace Harry Kane. And and experience, Lee, I, I, dis, I disagree with your fundamental point because there are examples, there was no t- national tournament experience 
in terms of senior victories in Spain's side when they when they ran Germany off the pitch in two thousand and eight. There's plenty in in Germany's side. But the, the the way you win a, f- a final is not because of uh, cultural history and because of an, an understanding of how it wins senior tournaments on the day. You have to, Gareth Southgate has done all that. It, my arg, my central argument, Ali, is Southgate has his great achievement has been removing all that baggage about England not winning tournaments before in terms of the way he's turned the, the press and the media onto this England side, the way in which he's, uh, he's taught the England team about representing themselves, the fact that England couldn't live together in a hotel without, in Gaza's case, or Terry Butcher's case, nearly killing Bobby Robson, or in the case of the golden generation, their, 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 their wives and girlfriends coming and getting pissed in a nearby resort or falling out with one another or getting bored like they did in South Africa because they were too far away from the bright lights. All of this is ridiculous to say out loud, but it was true. And Southgate has remorselessly unbaggaged England. And Lee, that's, that's the thing that meant that this was a one-off match that they should have won. And where they lost it was on tactics match reading, reactions, use of substitutions, and then choice of how to manage the penalties. Lee, I, I, I think that if you believe that the, the general Italian experience of winning tournaments was a central factor, it shouldn't have been. And I'm not convinced it was. I think that the central factor was between Gareth Southgate and Steve Holland, how they read the game, how they reacted and where they failed compared to Mancini and his staff. Adam Brocklehurst, I think Graham's just answered your question on in-game management. If he didn't, then I really do urge you to listen to his live episode right off the back of the final, which is, I think, just one episode before this one on the feed. I think you'll find everything you're looking for there. For now, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Bonucci. I think Cellini's the Italian Ramos, if there is one. Um, but Bonucci was brilliant as well. It's, you never know who the, who, the, who the men of the tournament are going to be, do you, until the, 
until the last kick of the final. And in the end, it was Bonucci and Collini. It was their, it was their Euros. Um, uh, he mentions the penalty, which um, Jordan Pitchfork, as the Spanish commentators were calling him throughout the final, very nearly gets a hand to, by the way. It's the one where he, he, he raises his, 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 his second arm, isn't it? And um, as, as he falls to the right, and he very nearly gets it. Um, but um, he was brilliant, Bonucci, throughout, and, and, and so, was, so was Collini. Um, just quickly going back to something that, that Graham was talking about, about Kane. I, I think Southgate was 100% right not to take Kane off. Um, um, but he should have changed his position. He, should have, he was playing the number 10 throughout the tournament, so he should have played him as the 10, and he should have brought on a number 9, and I think that would have changed. It would have changed the second half, it would have changed the final, and it would have given Bonucci and Collini something to do. Um, Bonucci and Collini um, must, when they're having a, a chat in years to come about, you know, this Euros that they just won, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say to themselves, you know, we played Spain and we weren't up against the centre forward, and at times against England it felt the same way. But he was brilliant, Bonucci, and so was Collini. Do you put them both in the team in the final? Um, because I thought Maguire was immense as well. And the penalty shootout, as, as always, when there's a penalty shootout, you call each penalty, is, is he going to miss, is he going to score? I called every single England penalty a miss, um, apart from Kane. Um, and Maguire proved me completely wrong. And not only did he miss, of course, he, he broke the camera in the top of the corner of the goal, which, by the way, we should change the rules on penalties um, and if you smash the camera in the top corner, it should be worth two goals. I think if you put the best five penalties from this tournament together, it, you could possibly get the best five penalties that have ever been taken. There were some unbelievable penalties. Almost penalty against Switzerland as well was absolutely fantastic. And it's what he tried to reproduce when he missed it against Italy. And um, I, I like your counter to J.K. Reid about Chiellini really being the Ramos because... I think if you, I think if you sub, subtract one or other of the partnership, without being controversial, it's Bonucci I would take away because Chiellini, although he's far more um, flawed, isn't the right word, but there, there's a gung ho attitude, and he, he, just before they scored the goal, I noted again that he was playing, you know, at left wing, um, literally just ahead of the set play where Bonucci scores. And it's it's Chiellini who monsters um, stones in the middle so that the ball can be, you know, can be free for the chance that Pitchfork saves and and Bonucci sweeps up. But Bonucci is, is extremely good, and it's clear that right from the start, from the anthems, I really noticed it doesn't change you as a player. This doesn't suddenly confer extra authority on their performance, but the motivation they felt um, when their hymn was their anthem was booed. You saw the two of them going stored up, brilliant, right? And we saw we sang through the booze, and Chiellini went absolutely mental at the end of the the national anthem. And sometimes you worry about how much um, nervous energy certain players are using up when they get riled at that stage of a game, or when they're singing until they cry. Uh, but not with those two. And Pete's expression that this is their tournament as a duo um, seems to me to be spot on. And Bonucci's easily the less lovable one. Some of the things he says and does, some of the things he believes, don't warm me to him at all. Whereas with Chiellini, it's quite the opposite. He's the one that emailed Common Goal and said, why haven't you asked me for 1% of my salary? And in terms of his attitude and behaviour and how, what kind of leadership he, he bestows on the squad, the, the way that he unifies rather than divides, by a long, long way, he, he's my preferred player and my preferred uh, personality 
But Bonucci's um, stalwart, ruthless hardness right throughout the tournament, including the final, um, means that as a pairing, they were unsurpassed in this tournament. I'm glad Graham's mentioned the booing of the anthems, uh, and there was a lot said about it, you know, throughout the tournament. But you can put aside whether it's disrespectful or, or not. It's counterproductive. Don't do it. It doesn't intimidate. It motivates the opposition. It's the greatest thing that can happen to the other side. Let's widen the scope somewhat and um, take two or three questions on the, the tournament more broadly. Um, although the first one does focus just as intently on one game. It's a different game. For my money, says Robert McIntosh, if the Spain versus Italy game was repeated, Spain would win more often than not. Do you agree or is this romantic naivete? Um, I mean, we we covered the, the game a lot. Um, I think I buy completely into, into Robert's point. Pete, we didn't hear from you on it, of course. Um, you know, what was your impression at the end of that semi-final? You were covering Spain as their progress in the tournament unfolded. So how did you view their performance uh, in the semi-final and do you buy Robert's proposition? Yeah, I do buy it. I do buy Robert's proposition. Um, I hate penalties. I really, really hate penalties. I'm one of the only people that I know that doesn't think they're exciting at all. I think they're horrible. Um, and I'm also one of the few people that think that it doesn't have to be penalties. Everyone says, well, you've got to do, there's nothing else we can do. Um, and I'd love to see two players from each side taken off after 90 minutes and then after a further 15 minutes, two more players taken off. And OK, then after half an hour, if it's still even, then we've got to have the penalties. Um, and in that scenario, when you take off two after 90 and you take off another two after the, for the second half of extra time, you always get the better footballing side is, is going to come through, most, most, most often than not. And that would have happened. And Luis Enrique said it after the game. He said in extra time, they were playing for penalties and we could have played for another half an hour, basically. Uh, and I thought that was very true. Um, Spain's, Spain's problem throughout, and it sounded daft saying it after they scored five against Slovakia and then five against Croatia, was, was the goal situation. Um, we'll never know. Had, Marat, had um, Gerard Moreno not been clearly not Luis Enrique's favourite at the start, would he have flown into the tournament still with the the, UA, the Europa League final, the wind beneath his wings, and, and you know, and, and come away with the golden boot or whatever? How much did that take a, take away from his confidence? The fact that he didn't start the tournament. And Morata is Morata, isn't he? Morata is, you know, that one of the strange things about being in Spain when when the debate every day was, you know, what we're going to do with Morata? Should he be dropped? Should he be moved to one side? Should, it, it, Morata did nothing in the tournament that he hasn't done in, throughout his career. It was a, it was a classic Morata tournament. You know, there was a, there was a game when he was awful. There was a game when he played very well and he didn't score. He took chances. Um, difficult goals were scored. Easy chances were missed. With a, without throwing it forward too far, with an Ansu Fatu, we all hope comes back fit and flying. Then somebody would have popped up. And, and got a winner for Spain. Perhaps not saying that nine out of ten times that it, Spain would have won it, but with, a, with, with the striker that they need to find from somewhere, yes, they would have beaten Italy. I like Bobby Mack's question in that um, I, th- I think we can easily, it's very easy to sit here in this forum and agree with him and say, yeah, nine, eight times out of ten, if you play like Spain did, did against Italy, they're going to go forward and win. But I think the, the honest answer is a bigger one. 
if Spain, that I think that was a defeat included. That was a coming of age night for Spain in that when they've thrashed teams, big teams playing that brand of football, whether for Lopetegui or Moreno or Luis Enrique, it tends to have been when that big name team, Croatia, Argentina, Germany, have been flat on their feet for whatever reason, missing players, maybe tired after a tournament. And if Spain's passing is quick, it puts a magnifying glass on teams that are slow to think, slow to move. Robert's idea that predominantly Spain win that game is is fine to argue it, and I don't have a big problem with it. The really big deal is if they play a version of that rather than the rather sluggish football they played against, say, Greece when they drew or or Georgia when um, almost rocket goal got them out of uh, trouble. If they play like that, with that type of uh, confidence in themselves, confidence in advanced positions, use of the ball where you take risks... It was a coming of age night for Olmo. As much as you know, he's missed a penalty. Shouldn't have been first penalty taker because he was exhausted. That's the greatest game of his life. I think club games included. That was he was astonishing that game. But but for many in that side, I think that's that's an absolute ceiling of conviction that if they play that style at that pace with that amount of acceptable actuarial risk then normally they're sco- they're, they will score goals. They won't be coming up against Donnarumma, Bonucci, Chiellini more than, you know, t- twice in 70 games. And that style, Robert, I think the big deal is that style with whatever additions, Pete's mentioned, mentioned Ansu, but there are others who will fit into that, namely Carvajal if he ever stays fit for 8, 9, 10, 12 months on the trot. The, the truth is that style uh, will normally defeat just about anybody. And Spain sitting at home and watching Italy win a game where they played with the exact... I mean, I don't know if it's inverse or converse. Let's call it in, inverse. Um, proportion stats whereby, you know, it was about 70-30 to Spain in the semi-final. Overall, it was just under 70-30, although there were spells when it was... I mean, I saw a spell where it was 72-38 in the 65th minute in favour of Italy. They, they played... They got the same result. They, they, they manufactured a similar level of, of confidence and tactical acuity with the exact opposite amount of possession. And Spain will have sat at home going, we're now looking at, at, at the semi-final and the final, not just the night we were beaten. That tournament was ours for the taking. You know, they, they screwed up by not taking chances more. That was theirs for the taking. I think that they would have... I, I think they would have beaten England unhandsomely looking at what we saw on Sunday night. It was my conviction that they had the, the wherewithal to beat England... Set place for England different against Spain, very different chances there. Spain's inability to to be convincing when they got good chances to score. It could have been a hell of a game, but they will sit at home that group and those who think they should have been that group saying, "Well, if that's the European champion, then you know we're in, we're we're just we're breathing right down their neck and and ready to scud them over the head with the with our beautiful play." More on that in the second part of our Q&A. Just to wrap up this first part, we have a question from our sponsors at Bet365 who ask which players went under the radar during this tournament for their performances. So guys, I don't know if either or both of you have had a chance to think about somebody who maybe didn't make the team of the tournament but would have made yours. I'll buy Pete a bit of thinking time, which traditionally he uses extraordinarily well. And I'll admit that coming into the tournament, I didn't know enough about Denzel Dumfries. Oh, you can't. <laughs> no, 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 no. If I'd said, 
If I'd said, if I'd said Alan, if I, that's a spoof. If, if I said Alan Mullery there, people would have gone, oh, that's who I would as well. Graham knows me so well. Dumfries, um, as a defender, uh, was, was daring. He largely did his job well in terms of the number of tackles he made, the pressing, the number of times he won the ball back. But I hadn't known enough about him. I haven't followed PSV properly. Um, the fact that he gets goals gives him a little bit of attention. But he had an attitude and a behaviour in games where Holland were struggling that others didn't have. But Dumfries impressed me. I'm not for a second arguing that he's going to become one of these um, technocrat Dutch players that, that rules Europe. But he had all the attributes that suggest that given the way that Dutch football is still a, is still a selling stable, is still a parade ground... Um, Denzel Dumfries has enough at 25 to suggest that he'll be making them a lot of money relatively soon and he'll be moving on to La Liga, the Bundesliga, the Premier League. That's my impression, at least. I think along the same lines, because I think with this type of question, you look to the players who were knocked out early, don't you, and, and think, oh, if we'd seen more of him, wish we'd seen more of him. And I would say that about Kimmich. I thought... I thought he was superb in, in in most of Germany's games, and and obviously they were they were a real shower this time. And um, um, Jogi loves staying for about three tournaments too many, or is that being too harsh? So I would pick out Kimmich. Um, the Swedes were were brilliantly entertaining after you know being fifty percent of, of of quite a well, it was an enthralling, but it was a low scoring, wasn't it? Uh, opening group game against Spain. And I would have liked to have seen a bit more of, of Forsberg. Um, and um, to pick a Spain player, I think Eric Garcia had an interesting tournament. Something Xabi Alonso said to, to us once in, in an interview, um, he said um, this was after Spain had won the three tournaments. Um, he said that um, international football wasn't about picking the best players. And it's one of those phrases when you hear it the first time, you think, well, what, what the hell is he talking about? What, what else is it about if it's not just picking the best players in the country? Um, but if you unpack it, what he means is, you, ultimately, you have to pick a team. We can all, pick, we can all sit around the, sit around the, the table and, and, and pick the two best centre-backs and the two best central midfielders and the two best strikers and, and come up with an 11. But is it going to be 11 that works? And I, and I was reminded of that quote during the tournament because... Clearly, the best two centre backs in the Spain squad were Pau Torres and, and Amaric Laporte, but it wasn't the best partnership. The best partnership was Laporte and Garcia, and it's going to be interesting to see. Garcia's, Eric Garcia's clearly got flaws as a centre back, you know, in the air being the obvious one, and, and, and that he would, I'm sure that would have been tested by, by England had England Spain been the final, and I agree with Graham that it would have been a final that Spain would probably have won, but. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see him at Barcelona. It's a it's a deal that's happened. Uh, I think the previous regime have, have, have pretty much put it in place, and, and the, the incoming regime has seen it through. Um, but um, he's an interesting player coming back to, to to Spain and back to Barcelona. And I thought I thought he had a decent tournament. And I thought Eric Garcia and Amrik Laporte is a promising partnership, and it's going to be very interesting to see how Luis Enrique plays it um, if he's got. Ramos playing at PSG and desperate to come back in for the World Cup. Okay, that's everything we have for this first part of our Q&A at the end of the Euro. We'll be back very soon with more, but for now, thank you, Robert. Thank you, JK. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Lee. Liam, 
and Ian for all your questions. Thank you, Pete and Graham. Back tomorrow with more.